So I did something yesterday that I haven't had a chance to ever really do since I've been in Port Alberni. Whoa, what is that? I went to a movie here. A movie? I know. So we're a smaller town, about 18,000 people, and the next city away is about 50 minutes away. And there's mm-hmm. no town. Well, there's a couple smaller towns between us, but there's no movie theaters there. Um, so this theater, though, everyone when I came to town said, don't ever go there. It's grungy. It's cramped. It's dirty. And you would not, you would feel like, you know, there's probably a good chance you'll just get lice just from going there. Uh, so I never went there. Yeah. There's nothing grosser than a gross movie theater. Exactly. But... It was really awesome. I guess there was talks about just tearing down the theater and for good. But instead of that, they invested in it and refurbished it. So now it's like reclining seats and there's lots and lots of leg room. Oh, nice. And so I went to see Spider-Man yesterday. Spider-Man? Yes. What do you think of Spider-Man? I loved it. I think Spider-Man is the best thing about the Marvel Universe. Mm. Is it because that Tom Holland kid? He or have actually, an adult you, person who plays a kid. I yes, guess. yes. Have you seen the new one yet? <laughs> I haven't seen the new one yet. I okay. actually, uh, I'll probably see that tomorrow because tomorrow will be my day off, and uh, I'll cool. go check it out. So uh, there was a couple. Like, I, I want to talk to you when you see it because I want mm-hmm. to talk to you about the stinger at the end. Ooh, it was super interesting. Have you listened mm-hmm. to the Subbeacon episode about it yet? No, I actually oh. refused to because I was like, this is a movie I will actually see. Fine, you're just like killing all banter then. I know. I'm preventing, okay. I want to prevent yeah. spoilers too. Yeah, yeah. You know? It was Spoiler. enjoyable. I still think Homecoming was better. Mm-hmm. But I just got to say, it was just nice. It, it kind of helped me feel more rooted here to know, okay, I have a place I can go and relax for a couple hours yeah, yeah. and enjoy something yeah. in the evening or whatever. And so I've pretty much said to myself, if there's an interesting movie playing, I'll go see it there. Yeah. And so I'll probably be at the theaters pretty much every because it's only a single screen, uh-huh. so they only have like one movie a week. But I'm like super excited now to have a movie theater where I can go to and relax and chill and have something to do in town. Oh, it's great! Going to the movies by yourself is highly underrated. It's literally one of my favorite things to do. Nice on my day off. Exactly. So it's it's just great, and God is good. So. Yeah, also go see Spider-Man. It was a lot of fun. Uh, very interesting. It's just very interesting because it, it... I mean, Tony Stark haunts the film. Mm-hmm. Right? Because he's, he's dead. He's dead. And, and it actually... It's, it, it's, a, <laughs> it's very interesting watching this film in the context of everything around Endgame and everything like that. Yeah. So it's, it was... Uh, and I don't know why, but it, those those films themselves have just been so well done. And it's... As they say on the sub, you know, it's really interesting that they take... Spider-Man, and it's like authentically Spider-Man, but a lot of the stuff actually isn't canon. Like Mary Jane is not a redhead, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. She's some angsty, angsty teen and stuff like that. And, yeah, and all these different things. The bully is not a jock; he's just a kid who isn't loved by his parents. Hmm. And all these things, and it's like it's just, but it's still authentically Spider-Man. It's yeah. still authentically. That's cool. And so I think he's kind of the cornerstone stone of Phase Four. That's good. I hope so. That's a good choice. Yeah, I think it's a good choice too because it's been really, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. So, welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Harrison. I'm Father Anthony. What's up with you? I'm going to get eaten by bears. Oh? Yeah. I'm pretty Can- sure. So, wait, wait, wait. What you're saying is Canada is invading the U.S. No, there's actually bears in the United States of America. There's moose too, you know. 
Uh, I haven't seen one. I've seen a bear before. Okay. I haven't seen a moose. There are moose. Okay. Are there moose in Yellowstone National Park? Do you know? I don't know. I don't know. Because that might... Basically, I'm going to die. Okay. In Yellowstone. Okay. Why is so, this? Uh, it's something I've been like not thinking about for a while. But uh, my friend Carl and his brother, uh, Mike, there we are all going to Yellowstone National yep. Park, and we're going hiking, yep. like real hiking, like we will be sleeping on the outside, not on the inside. There are moose in Yellowstone. Are there? Yes. That's there's another reason to be terrified. Moose are terrifying. They're huge, man. They're giant. Those They're massive like antlers. Dinosaurs. Yes. But fuzzy. So, so you're going to Yellowstone to hike? Yeah, just when to you, go outside you, and be outside and nice. when you're doing in the that. outdoors, uh, and I'm gonna die. I'm I'm, nice. I'm coming more and more determined with this because go to confession before you go hiking. I definitely will, definitely will. But like, so I've gone like hiking before. Like mm-hmm. I've done like day trips, gone out to a park, hiked, scrambled across rocks, and all that kind of fun stuff, and fine. But I'm kind of starting to get nervous about this because mm. one, it's also August. So it's going to be like a million degrees out. Mm-hmm. So if the bears don't eat me, all the mosquitoes mm-hmm. will. Yeah, I just think I'm going to die in Yellowstone. Hmm. Which now, this episode will be really sad if I actually die, but right now I'm just kind of joking about it. Yeah. I hope I don't actually. That would really suck. But I'm sort of starting to freak out. Because I mean, I trust... How many people are going? Three of us. Okay. And like, I, I trust Carl, sort of. Mm-hmm. Because um, he, he comes from a place in Pennsylvania called Green County, which is basically like country, yeah, Pennsylvania. And he's like done stuff before. He's gone like hiking and stuff. But we're just kind of, I don't know. I think I'm just, I'm just mentioning this so that everyone prays for us that none of us get eaten by bears when I go to Yellowstone in August. And how long of a trip is it? It's like several days. Like how many, what's several days? Like two, five, I don't know. 20? Um, so here's the thing. I'm not horribly organized. So my buddy Carl was like, hey, do you want to go to Yellowstone? And I was like, yeah. And that was about the end of my thinking about, let's see, from the 13th to the 19th, hmm. that's like a week. Right. That is a so week. So I'm, I'm, I don't know if like we got a day for travel. Right. Also, I'm just like, like I'm going to smell real bad the entire time. Will? Like how many, how many, I'm going to ignore that. How many, like, <laughs> how many clothes do you pack when you're just hiking? But you just pack your cassock, right? Right. I mean, I'm obviously wearing my cassock as I hike. Because <laughs> I'm a good priest. And I can't imagine what else I would be wearing in this hike through Yellowstone. Yeah. And you have to keep about a 20-foot distance from the laity. Exactly. So they'll have to, I guess, go behind? That's why you're afraid. Because they're going to be so far away from you because of clericalism. Exactly. That they won't be able to run to your rescue when the bear comes. Exactly. And because bears are evil creatures from mm-hmm. the, and the spawns of Satan, yeah, uh, they will go after the priest first and not the laity. See, I was hoping that like my priestly dignity, like the bear would be like afraid of me mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, just because I mean, most of the time people are kind of afraid of me just because my, my holy aura. Maybe the bear uh, will emanates. think you're actually a family member because Ooh. of all the facial hair. Maybe that too. So maybe we'll be like high five, a high five of the bear. It'll eat my friends, <laughs> and then I'll just die because I'll get lost in the middle of Yellowstone yes. National Park. Yes, I, that's all I got. I'm starting to get nervous about this trip that's coming up. Huh. That's fair. Yeah, that's it's the first. Those are always nerve wracking, right? Those are always nerve wracking. People have done dumber things though. That's true, and been okay. Well, you know, someone who who did die on his way to something. 
uh-huh. was St. Thomas Aquinas on his way uh, to the fourth. Ah, which council was it? To a council. Anyways, Summa Tweetologica. <laughs> Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. If you said Fourth Lateran Council, I would have just believed you. It, I think it was uh, the Fourth Lateran, actually. I couldn't. To I just, what my, council? I, uh, I, uh, my brain went blank there for a second, but that was a decent transition, though. Yeah. All right. All right. So, the Summa Tweetologica with St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology, and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. First up kind of quote-tweeting Tommy Ty's tweet, which was Catholic match, but for writing, finding the right parish, Father Patrick Mary Briscoe, OP, at Patrick Mary OP, says this, Catholic match, but for joining a religious order. And I was like, yeah. I, and not just that, I would also throw in the, uh, and to find a diocese. Find right. a diocese? Yes. yes. Well, some people... That's not how that works. Some people... No. That's, some people travel to other dioceses sometimes. They want to go study somewhere else for some reason. Yeah. See, I'm kind of against that. Well, like, you suck because... <laughs> unless, unless, unless you're going to like a, 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 a diocese that's like severely lacking in priests. Okay, thank if you. If you're doing it for that reason. If you're just shopping around for dioceses, that, that's, that's not how like... Providence works. That's not how obedience really works. Like wherever you find yourself living in the moment, like you don't have to be from that diocese, but that's where you've kind of put down roots. That's where if you're going to be the best kind of priest, which is diocesan. So it's very interesting actually though, because I remember years ago when I was starting to think about this whole priesthood thing, I'd search around the web and there was like some website that was always showing up about like vocation promotions or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, we'll help you figure out your 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 vocation, and maybe you know take this test, and we'll tell you maybe which order you should maybe go look at. Oh, right. I'm like, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> I kid you not. Every time it came up as legionaries, because guess oh, what? Oh no. Guess who ran oh, the website? No. It was legionary website. Yes, the legionaries ran the website. <laughs> wow. I mean, they had information about other orders up there, but I was like, this is like, I it's like, this is interesting. Okay. So I just I tried it out again, did totally different answers, still came up legionaries. Yeah, whenever we're like, allowed to make legionary jokes, like we make Jesuit jokes, so I feel like the answer should be now. But it seems like it's still kind of sensitive. I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, because there are some good legionaries out there. Sure, there's also some good Jesuits. That's not gonna stop me. That's not gonna stop me from making Jesuit jokes literally all the time. But I think. You know, Father Patrick's actually kind of onto something. I think that's not a bad idea, especially for religious orders. Like, I think of, like, I think for example, myself, if there was a way that they could have a system where you could say, like, what kind of charisms do you think you're you're looking to live? Okay, well, these are orders you should look at more of, or something, because like I've been, you know, like I was doing spiritual, I've been doing spiritual action for a young woman who's, uh, we we think we know where she wants to go now, but mm-hmm. you know, we don't really have religious orders in our diocese, so you're not really exposed, so it's hard to figure out where should I look. What should I be looking for? 
when you're not really exposed to those things. So actually yeah. having a resource for this would actually not be a bad idea. Yeah, like it really would be helpful to have a good first resource. Like I'm starting to think of religious life. I have no idea what to do. This website is your first stop. Something like that would be really beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, so um, yeah, so that was just, I thought it was funny. It also had an interesting point that maybe some great website genius can put this together. Yes. We are not website geniuses. We're we, just podcast and Twitter geniuses. Mm-hmm. You can just give us credit if yeah. you want. Yeah, exactly. What do you got? I've got a tweet from beleaguered Psy at, uh, at Lappeninger? Lappeninger. L-A- Denger, Lappeninger. People should have better handles. So she tweets that she got called Susan from Parish Council by a Facebook rando for saying that there was no church law mandating that women wear dresses. So first things first. Susan from Parish Council is a parody account. I think they're on Facebook and mm-hmm. also on Twitter. And basically it's kind of stereotypical uh, crazy lady boomer on parish council who kind of runs parish council and kind of runs the parish and is mean to like treads and blah, 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 blah. And I'm not saying that these people don't exist or haven't existed, but I, first of all, I really feel like those parody accounts will bear no good fruit mm-hmm. uh, because it's just an indulgence for your own anger. And people will say, no, father. This is just a you know, way to, to, to blow off steam and blah, 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 blah. But to run that account and to keep... And first of all, like, it's also not funny. My first time yeah. is, like, account, like, just this kind of, like, weak caricature of certain people. It's something that just isn't clever. Right. Uh, and I think it's kind of mean-spirited. So there's, there's that. I just don't care for those accounts. I've blocked them all. Yeah. Um, just, I don't know. Yes, there's bad stuff happening in parishes, but also grow up. And it's like, it's not just that. I think it, it, I'm actually trying hard now. I think we need to do more to destroy generational divides. Yeah. The, the, the divides and actually build up communion between those of different generations. Cause I think what it does more and more just antagonizes us against people. Mm-hmm. And so parody accounts like that just don't do us any good. And, and then again, like, like what happens here then is then people get labeled unnecessarily. Right. Like this is not there was like she's just saying like you know there's nothing it's and it's true like like this is the weird thing about some very odd social media activity by some people mm-hmm. at times i'm not saying all of them are like this but there's some people uh this like they're going after like these very minutiae uh details like women should be wearing dresses at all times mm-hmm Right, and I'm like, well, first, like the dress is also, by the way, folks, is a modern, um, it's a pretty modern uh, style type. Jesus's dresses did not exist two thousand years ago when Jesus lived, mm-hmm. right? So, like, first, let's kind of get off that. But, uh, but you know, she, it's, but it's also like this weird attack on women, like, like I don't know, it's it's these, it's ah, it's just. <laughs> I feel bad for women online because they're the target of of incels and others who are very frustrated. I I can't judge their hearts, but who are very frustrated about 
their whole uh, lot in life and, and maybe the fact that they don't have someone to be with. But then they're, the way they treat women, I'm like, well, no wonder. Yeah, duh, right? Right, like that. But it's like, like I actually, I have a lot of respect for women online in general because you see the crap that's thrown their way. The, the thirst- woman respecter has logged on. Yes. Well, because like, <laughs> it's like you hear it all the time. You see that like these thirsting guys cut them or these judgmental things like how dare you wear that or whatever and i'm just like we have not grown up as catholic men have we mm-hmm. yeah there's a few things uh here um yes all the things you point out are absolutely true there's yeah. a lot of just people who have a a a, a lack of human formation is what comes down yeah. to a lack of uh sexual integration just not uh just i mean and to put it simply and maybe a little bit harshly you just got a bunch of weirdos online yeah and they find each other and then because of that they can kind of instead of reforming their lives they just dive deeper into the weirdness okay yeah. so this is the thing that happens now when it comes to just whoever runs the susan from parish council thing or whatever like that i probably agree with that person on most of their liturgical preferences i also think the idea of being modest in church is a good thing but also there's this weird overemphasis on things that the church does not definitively say. Mm-hmm. So yes, you should be modest in church. And that doesn't mean, and, and their idea of modesty in church is, okay, let's just get really real about this. There was like that whole thing that came up with, um, with shoulders, women using their shoulders at mass and how that was against modesty. Mm-hmm. Now, if seeing like a woman's shoulders causes you sexual arousal, immediately then there's a problem with you in that Mm -hmm. just to be perfectly honest that's something that you need to deal with and that's not that shouldn't be the normal standard of of modesty now there's another aspect of modesty that's important that just women are pretty right so the idea of trying to make yourself not super pretty at mass so people can focus on god i kind of agree with that that makes sense but we have to be more human about this and not so freaking weird. And it's unfortunate that we have to, like, try to explain how not to be weird. Because I'd rather just say, don't be weird. But mm-hmm. we also live in a very kind of broken world. And people do have these kind of struggles. And it's mm-hmm. not necessarily their fault that they have been struggling with pornography since they, were, since they went through puberty. So I don't want to just... It's also wrong for me to say, just go away, weirdos, because they need healing, too. It's very complicated, and mm-hmm. but being online doesn't help it at all. Mm-hmm. Amen. Well, have we dug ourselves a big enough? Um, oh, I'm sure we that have. One? Oh, I am sure we have. Uh, uh, don't be weird online. That's that's all I'm trying to say. So uh, last on Saturday, uh, mm-hmm. I posted a little photo and a small thread about a little reminiscing about this rectory that is being rented for the priest of the cathedral for 18 years was finally being emptied. They're kind of finally moving into the rectory at the cathedral after some renovations. And, but that's where I lived where in my first years coming back. And then it's just after living there, I had my conversion. So it's a important place in my faith journey. And, and uh, at underscore Mary underscore Jane seven, Mary Elizabeth O says, love this story. It's amazing to look back and see God leading us right where we needed to be. Also yay for grandmas, the OG at memeing people to church before they were memes. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, exactly, right? Like, grandmas are awesome that way. And I was just like, yeah, it's, it's true. It's like my, my grandma, so what happened was my grandma had said, oh, you need a place to live? Well, I read in my bulletin that there's this priest who lives next to university, room and board, 550 a month. You should check it out. And I was desperate for a place to live. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
so he is so it's um it's I lived there and through my grandma's small intervention, I came back eventually to living a life in the church, which was awesome. Right. And I'm really grateful for that. And grandmas are always really in, uh, I see it all the time here in my parish too. Grandmas are bringing their grandkids with them to mass or to visiting grandma and grandpa. So grandmas are great at memeing people into faith. Yeah, absolutely. And it's good to be, you know, a lot of times when people ask me like, what should I do to help, uh, you know, bring my, you know, uh, grandkids of the faith, uh, a little bit of being annoying is actually a good thing. I think mm-hmm. a little bit of, a little bit of guilt isn't necessarily a bad thing. Sometimes we get too nervous about saying anything yeah. and then, um, it's, it messes stuff up. I think a little bit of that is actually uh, a good thing. Amen. All right. Okay. What you got? This is an older tweet, but it spoke to me in a deep, deep sort of way. So this is from, uh, at, uh, this is from Sandstone at Courtson and it says this, the sense of time I have as a millennial is so weird. 1970 is about 30 years ago. 1980, about 20 years ago. 1990, about 10 years ago. 2000, about 10 years ago. 2010, about 1,000 years ago. 2016, about 10,000 years ago. 2018, about 1,000 years ago. And mm-hmm. last week, about 1,000 years ago. <laughs> and I absolutely feel this. I feel mm-hmm. like the 90s were like 10 years ago, but that's ridiculous. I yeah. don't know why. It's just like my sense of time really like. So maybe, maybe it's something about like growing up or just the numbers, but my brain still feels like 1990 was about 10 years ago. <laughs> but like 2012 was like a lifetime ago. Do you feel the same way or is it totally different for you? I don't know. It's just kind of, it's just all a blur, man. <laughs> it's all a blur, man. That's all I got to say. It's, it's, uh, it, I was actually just talking to a, fr- a friend uh, of mine from New Orleans, um, Brandon Briscoe, he, uh, he was telling me, uh, that Facebook was showing him memories from 12 years ago when we were at Terrace together. And I'm just like, that was 12 years ago, man, that was a long time ago. Yeah. But it's like, like a lot of things pass. I don't know. Time just is time just is, you know, I feel like I'm like, uh, I feel like I've been smoking. I I feel like I'm high on something right now. You know, time just is man. It, you know, it feels like an illusion at times. You know what I mean, man? And it just kind of goes and it comes. This is why drugs are bad, kids. Exactly. I'm not actually on anything, folks. You know, joke, good, good. joke, joke. But yeah, I, I mean, like you do feel that a little bit, I guess. Yep. But it's not, I don't know, not like, I don't know. I really, I, I, maybe it's just I experience time a little bit differently. I just, it kind of comes and goes and I don't really worry too much about it. Yeah. I think maybe like when you're a kid, time is more vague. And you don't really care about it. Right. But once you like reach a certain age, then the years start mattering. So like... Everything that happened in the 90s when I was just like growing up like a little kid is yeah. kind of vague and yesterday-ish. While I was like seminary, that, that eight years of seminary I spent was, was, were eons. Like so much time went on in there, even though it's just... And so anyway. I, will say, I will say where yeah. I do notice it more is when I meet kids who I knew five, seven years ago and like are, you know, um, adults now. Mm-hmm. That's where I've... Uh, that's where I've really kind of, that's where I, that's where it kind of really hits me. And I'm like, holy smokes. But it's more of the experience of my gosh, time goes by really fast. Yeah. See, I'm not quite there yet. Like, um, it'll hit you I, soon. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you, I'm close. Like now it's just like, I see someone who's now in college, just graduated from college yeah. and I have to begrudgingly respect them a little bit as an adult, yeah. even though right. I know they're not really an adult yet. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with, with, with younger people. And right I, yeah. Like that's where I'm like, 
first I look back, it's like, I remember when I was probably in my mid twenties, like, man, I'm glad I'm not a teenager anymore. Now that I'm in my mid thirties, I'm like, man, I'm glad I'm not a young adult anymore. Right. <laughs> Getting like, old's better. I mean, not the physical it is. stuff it and your body is. breaking down. Wait, yeah. this is actually really important. Yeah. Like, so your body not working anymore, that's sad and a pain in the butt that for sucks. sure. But yeah. like, if you're, especially if you're living a life of faith, the more, the older you grow, the more you get to know Jesus and that's a good thing. Yeah. And just like, if you're really working in spiritual life and Christ is healing you, you're becoming more and more, uh, a more whole integrated and loving person. Absolutely. And so that aspect of growing older, older doesn't bother me. Also, my hair is going to look super cool when it gets gray, and my beard gets gray. I'm going to look like such a super wise and holy priest when I get older. I'm very excited for that. As well. I already have gray in my beard. You do. Just a little bit. Just it's, touches. It's, it's touches, but you know, just means I'm wise. Exactly. You want know you know, and our Patreons are also wise because they support us. So it's time ah. for Patreon pontifications. Patreon pontifications. You support us. We read your tweets. Please consider donating to our Patreon. Money goes for paying to paying for our equipment and podcast hosting fees, as well as paying producer Nick a just wage for all the work he does. Any money collected that goes beyond that will be donated to the missionaries of charity. Go to patreon.com slash speaking to have a chance at having your chosen tweet talked about on the podcast. And this week's tweet comes from? It comes from at Chad Orientum. See, that's a good That handled. is a great. See, I, under, I know how to pronounce that. It's yeah. got a little internet joke in there. Excellent, okay? Yeah. So, at Chad Orientum, I uh, chose a tweet from Joe Slama, and he says, Friendly reminder that living the joy of the gospel cannot be reduced to just having a generally cheerful demeanor. Oh, you're an expert in that. In what way? Of not having a gen, uh, you don't you, you you evangelize, right? And living the you live the joy of the gospel without yes. the cheerful demeanor, right? Right, right. definitely. Not. Yeah. I look like I want to murder people as I'm walking around. I think I've that's because that's but, all that's all you do for your photos. It's, it's always crazy eyes, right? Right, right. So photos are crazy eyes, but I think a lot of times I just look like a cranky person as I'm walking around, and I totally feel like I've inherited that from my dad. It's, it's not my because you're Italian, yeah. <laughs> which is good. Which is good. It may, it's good to have people fear you, but um. Uh, in a more serious note, yes. this is absolutely true yeah. because, like, nothing about being generally cheerful m- makes you special. And yeah. like, it's called, like, watering down of, like, it's uh, okay. So, being cheerful, sure, can be a helpful thing. But is that produced by some sort of, like, naive outlook on the world? Is that produced by the fact that you just drank a lot that morning? Is that, like, why are you cheerful? If it's not because of the love of Jesus Christ, then it's not going to have a real effect on the world. Mm -hmm. It's just going to be, at best, annoying. um, At worst, fake and ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So I really feel like, yeah, the point of that tweet is our love, our joy, is inspired by something deeper than it's just sunny outside or something. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. about the love of Jesus Christ, and that changes who you are. Exactly. And I think I look at someone like John Paul II, who was joyful, and he showed joy, absolutely. But he, he, joy is not just, I think the problem is we confuse joy with emotion, right? Yes. And joy Super is yes. actually, joy, because like, I think, in a, like, maybe let me rephrase that. We, we confuse it with an emotional response like happiness. Mm-hmm. Happiness, I'm not saying is not an important thing, but like joy is deeper than happiness. Yeah. And so joy, I guess maybe for me, actually, the way I'd put it is joy is peace. 
of heart. I think it's, I think that's, yeah. I think we've talked about that before, but I, I think we have too. Yeah. And I think, so if you are living, if you're joyful, that means you have a peace of heart, which means I'm going to be able to embrace the difficulties that come my way with a serenity mm-hmm. that, uh, that comes from knowing that God is with me. Um, I'm able to face, I'm able to really enjoy and celebrate things when they're there. And I'm able to deal with the serious things when I deal with the serious things, but it all comes from a place of peace, but you're not always going to be all smiles. Like, you know, how many person you can be joyful doing per- paperwork and yet yeah. not be smiling. Yeah. Like, like, I guess, Is, like, have you well, ever seen, well, let's wait, settle down. Let's settle down. Wait, what did you just say? You can be joyful doing paperwork and not be smiling. This is a deep mysticism that I am. I am not. I'm not there yet, Father Harrison. I'm not there yet either. I'm just saying it's a possibility. <laughs> it's 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 the eschaton. It's the it's what is able to come. Yeah, there are some Christians that I know that are just they're just they're they're just super joyful all the time. And at first, a lot of times I don't trust that. But once I've yeah. gotten to know them, I'm like they're actually just great people who really yeah. love Jesus. Yeah. So I don't want to like just be like Absolutely. it's cool to be cranky and cynical. No. Because that's a temptation for me. Absolutely. Like, genuinely joyful people inspired by the gospel are like the best people to be around. Yeah. Have you ever seen Thirty Rock? I have not seen Thirty Rock. Okay. Well, there's this character named Kenneth, and he's kind of just this always positive. All. And I think maybe that's the thing. It's like we think joyful means you always have to be positive and always look at the good thing side of things. And I'm not saying you can't, you shouldn't lose that, but you have, to, you should be able to see reality as it is too when you're a joyful person. Yes. I think that's when it's everything is always. If you see things, everything's always good all the time. That's a naivete in joy. Yes. Um, a true joy is able to uh, courageously look at even the bad with the confidence that comes from knowing that God is with me. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's the importance to not fall into a naivete that wants me to just say everything's good all the time. And then you never actually deal with real problems. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you, Chad Orientum, for your sponsorship and your, your support of the podcast. And thank you to, to Joel as well for, uh, for, to Joe for, uh, for the tweet. And now let us go into presbyteral exhortations. And now it is time for. Presbyteral exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good, quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. I bet they can't wait to learn. They're gonna learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's the oh, best part. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, quite. Yes, quite. So I was sharing this with Father Anthony before the podcast just to kind of prep him what I wanted to talk about. No, that's not true. We only talk to each other while we're podcasting. But no, sorry, I should have said that out loud. That ruined it. Oh, Nick, edit this out. You just they, destroyed the mystery of the I podcast. Pulled, I pulled back the curtain too much. Oh, no, the people know. <laughs> I mean, we don't really talk to each other while we're doing the podcast anyways. We just more talk at each other. Right. <laughs> You're actually a little tiny screen, a little tiny screen on the top corner of my monitor right now. Same here. Same here. That's, that's all you are to me, Father Harrison. I'm sorry. <laughs> As I play solitaire. No, I'm kidding. I'm not playing solitaire. Uh, so I was, we were just, I was just saying that... I. So when you're a pastor, especially, I think there is a bit of a difference between being an associate priest and a pastor. Yeah. You have to you have to look at your relationship with the parish differently. I think there's always when you're a priest, there's always an attachment to the parish you're in. But as an associate, you have a bit more of a detachment, right? You don't have to deal with a lot of the problems in the parish generally. Like you don't have to deal with management issues, building issues. Like you get to just do priest stuff. Yeah, essentially. That's very true. And it's kind of awesome. Like That's why when I was an assistant, I said to my pastor, I said, please don't move me. Please don't move me. I'm happy <laughs> to just be an associate. Uh, but when you become a pastor, that's a whole new experience. 
because you are meant to um, express the shepherd's love to your people. And when you become a pastor, you actually get to know everything about everyone. And suddenly people become difficult. Some people are (laughs) ornery. Uh, Some people don't like a decision you've made. Um, Uh Sometimes you've made a mistake as a pastor and you've apologized, but they don't want to receive that apology or whatever it might be. Like there's all, you're dealing with the mess of human life in a lot more direct way. And guess what folks, they don't prepare you for this at all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wait, yes, they do. I'm going to take that back a little bit. Okay. Okay. So, I mean, because, because there are lots of annoying people in seminary. I think this is very important. <laughs> this is they, true. No, this is true. They should, yeah, yeah. I mean, they should emphasize this more. But the important part, the most important part about living in community is living with people who annoy you. Absolutely. And the problem with bigger seminaries and also, I mean, is that you can kind of avoid those people. But the idea and the genius of true Christian community is not that it's easy, is not that everyone agrees, mm-hmm. is that you all love Jesus Christ, but a lot of times you also hate each other and that needs yeah. to be reconciled. So I would say Absolutely. it's not the same it's not as the when same. you're a father, right. but I think there's something analogous in dealing with your brothers. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's uh, always an important thing that you don't, you know, you don't choose your family, right? Exactly. Your family is gifted to you with all its joys and sorrows. Mm-hmm. But... I guess I'm bringing all this up because I've rec- I had a little insight in prayer last week that I think is really important. I tweeted about this today when we were before we were recording. Mm-hmm. Um, the question came to my heart is, do I love the parish as my bride? Oof. Yeah, I was like, oh, and I had to be honest with myself and say no. Mm. Because I was looking at things, I think, through too human a lens sometimes. I was seeing this person's fault. This person wants to leave the church. This person wants to do this. This person wants that. This person likes this. This person doesn't like that, whatever. And you start and you start to experience it just on that purely human level. And it makes you, instead of wanting to love them and to continue to love them, to just, to just dismiss them, cut them off, mm-hmm. and... Um, not really want to deal with it because it's easier to say, do you what? This is it too bad. I, and, and just kind of move on. That is the easy human response to give. But that question really helped me, um, put a lot of things in perspective. Do I love my parish? It's love. My, I'm not saying I don't love my parish, by the way. I'm just right. saying I recognize a need to grow deeper in my love for my people. Yes. And, um, and so it started to get me to see that I need to see everyone, even the really difficult ones, as, it, I'm saying this all in the spiritual sense, as kind of like the spouse. And like which husband in a good marriage does not uh, chase after, love, and pursue his bride, mm-hmm. right? He desires her, right? He he wants to be with her, and and the bride wants to be with him. And I th- and now it's not to say like, and by this I'm not saying that it means that we should just put aside differences. That I should never make decisions that might be difficult for some people or anything like that. But I'm saying that despite their reaction to me and my decisions, sometimes because guess what, folks, when you're a pastor, you're gonna make decisions. Not everyone's happy ever. All right, and that, you have to be okay with that. Um, but the ones who aren't unhappy and they might even make your life a little difficult, do you still love them? Yeah. And do you still go after them? 
And you still look at them with the heart of Christ. And I think this is kind of what I want to talk a little bit about today, because I think this is important, not just in the realm of pastoral leadership. I think this is important, period. Because so often we are encountered with difficult situations and anger sometimes comes up and it's an important, anger is an important thing. But we need to essentially like love them with Christ's love. Like, and that they can buy that. I don't mean like in an imitation way, but in more of a participation way that Christ really in the realm of grace gives me an opportunity to manifest his love for a person. And that's everyone's possibility through baptism. And that love isn't um, a sentiment sentimentalism, but it's a self-sacrificing. And it means even sacrificing your own emotions and pains and sorrows to say, I'm going to, I'm going to still love this person, even though it hurts. Yeah. Because it does hurt sometimes because you're just like, I don't want to talk to this person. I don't want to be around this person. This person annoys me. This person made a dumb decision, whatever it might be. Yeah. You know? Well, think about it. A lot of times you don't hear from the average parishioner as a priest, especially as a pastor. You hear from two types. You hear from the person who calls and complains and is upset. You hear from that person, that very loud person. And then you mostly deal with then uh, the other kind of faithful volunteers. And a lot of times you get to know them and their and their quirks. But a lot of times you don't get to. You're dealing with. And this is tough because it's something that you know you know my parish is dealing with as well. Like right now, we're doing you know these seven parishes have technically become one parish, but now we have to do the hard work of basic stuff like what are the ushers responsibilities and what are they not? And also to get people to realize that no, you're not, you know, St. Whatever parish. We are a Holy spirit parish now. And these things are so precious to these people and understandably so that now they have to change that they're, they're lashing out because it feel, they feel like you're attacking their identity when you're just trying to do what's good for the parish. So in dealing with these people who, you have to deal with all the time because of liturgy and stuff, it can be very difficult because they are working out of their fears and their uh, anger and their need. And they just see you in that moment as either an enemy or at best an annoyance. And it's your job not to see them in the same way then that they see you and to end the cycle and to give a loving response and a patient response and realize that they're hurting and how do I deal with this? But that can be very difficult and also incredibly exhausting Yeah, because a lot of times as a priest, you're dealing with people at their worst. Yeah, And unless you have, I think it's or I'm sure we'll get to, um, you can't do that with just human love. You really, 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 really can't. You have to do that with Christ's love, um, which is something I think you have to gain from prayer and realizing how much God puts up with you and yours silliness as well and then because ah it's tough because loving people isn't something you can fake yeah it's not it's not a matter of just trying harder to love someone exactly yes you can try harder to be patient and to mute your response but i think that genuine kind of love isn't something that you can fake it's something you have to actually have and give and that's that's a difficult thing yeah uh and when you think about like are all these and this isn't true this is just you know, a lot. We're trying to be honest about what priests experience on this podcast. Yeah. So uh, this isn't all the times, but sometimes it's just like, oh, your bride or all these whiny people who are never happy with anything you say or do. Like, I don't want that to be my bride. That's super annoying. 
But you have to see past that and through that yeah. and deeper than just that moment of annoyance, if yeah. that all makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I think this is the point. It's, it's just we are going to be hurt in relationships mm-hmm. because sin is real. Sin is effective and it is all consuming and it wants, and if it's not going to get in one domain of your life, it's going to get into another and it's going to do this over and over and over again. But Christ really does change. I think this is partially sometimes why the church is so ineffective in its change in some ways and not like in the sense of like, um, imagine if we took seriously the call to really love with Christ's heart as priests, as lay people in our parishes, and to see people with Christ's eyes. Yeah. And to see even the person who might even be maliciously trying to destroy things, because those people exist. And we can do. And again, like talk about what we talked about earlier, like you don't want to be naive about this. And I'm not mm-hmm. saying like Christ's love sometimes comes out forcefully too. Yes. Right? It does come out forcefully. Um we need to like take this more seriously and it means like that too with like online relationships through like social media oh through, yeah right we need to do this in our parish with our families and our friends like with everyone it's about saying like and it's hard because like i don't even know how to quite do that yet in some ways i think this is something i'm still um i'm still getting the hang of and still starting to really really um get an insight into as i go deeper into pastoral ministry because at the heart of everyone who's a christian we have to love with christ's love which is always going to be self-sacrificing which is always going to be giving of itself which is always going to be desirous to like i think that's part of like i almost feel like you know this is where um deus caritas says comes in you know erotic love like desiring love is really mm-hmm. important in all this do mm-hmm. i desire this person do I want to be around this person? Right. Now, when people hear that, Eros, a lot of people don't know like the Greek part of that and what that means, what that doesn't mean. It just means when you say when you say erotic love. I just, I mean, just want I to think, clarify. Well, like for I, your I, own I, I did. I said desirous <laughs> love. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, so I want to make that very yeah. clear. Yeah, it's not it's not sexualized and and but rather it's it is purified through self gift, right? Yes. So so I want this person. I want to be with this person. And that desire is that desire for that person becomes less and less selfish the more I give of myself unselfishly to that person. Yeah. And it's really hard because we, I think too often we think I have to just do this myself. I think over, like in some ways, I think Pelagianism is one of those kind of sins that just heresies, like just always wants to seep up into our lives. Yeah. And the way like forward in this is, I think first just asking that question, like, do I love this person with Christ's love in his heart? Mm-hmm. And it, it it's an amazing, like I've been asking myself that question since that little insight came to my mind. And I'll be honest, it, it like, it's kind of terrifying where you start to realize the answer is no. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's a good thing because it's the sadness means I actually deep down desire to want to give Christ's love, you know, like the fact that I'm sad that I don't like love that person in whatever properly. Yeah. That there's a sadness there means that actually I want to do that. Yeah. Right. Which is a good thing. So it means that there is a love for them there. It's just, it's not a perfect love yet. It needs to be purified. But to do that, we need Christ's love, which means we need grace, which means we need the life of the sacraments and prayer and the scriptures. We need to kind of be imbued in Christ. 
and we need like um we need to like just like simmer in him almost you know mm-hmm. so that his heart becomes our heart more and more and then we're a- able to really love with his heart for others because i think when you actually start to see a heart like christ's in someone else man does that change things man does that evangelize because you're putting yourself to the side and you're putting your own idealizations to the side and your own idealisms to the side and you're just loving them with a pure heart and that pure heart helps others to see god yeah and man it, it like in other words it makes saints right right it makes sense I, I think i think a lot of this for me personally is um tied to very often how i see myself yeah I found it's when I'm most frustrated with myself that I have a shorter fuse with parishioners. When yeah. um, I when I am disappointed by my own sinfulness, I have less patience for other people's sinfulness as well. Right. I think there's a certain understanding that we need to understand in a deeper way how much God has forgiven in us right. and how much he loves us and to be right. overwhelmed by that. And it's yeah. from that being overwhelmed that we're able to then see others not as not as cranky not as mean not as petty but as wounded yeah and i think it's something instinctual i think that every priest every every person who's called to the the priesthood in a particular way i think we really are drawn toward the wounded because that's what christ is drawn toward Mm -hmm. and so once you see people not as just malicious or annoying or dumb or stupid or whatever once you see them as oh no this is a wounded person like me and I think about how much God has helped me and healed me, there's the desire then to give that to that person. Mm-hmm. And something as much as looking at someone with, um, you know, fatherly love and affection or patience or um, taking the time to listen to them, even if they're just yelling at you and not trying to communicate to you, that can be a healing experience for the other person because they're exactly. experiencing in some way Christ's love as well. And this is the thing, it's... Yeah, there are divisions. Yes, people's actions do hurt. Yes, they treat you like a piece of crap sometimes. Mm-hmm. But when you respond to them with Christ's self-sacrificing love, then you're really starting to... Um, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? You're really starting to, to enter into the drama of redemption. Yeah. Right? I wish I had like more answers on how to actually start to do this. I'm just starting to see that it's a necessity to do it. <laughs> I guess is maybe the right put it. And I, I, I'm saying this because I think it's important that we kind of re restart with that question in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, am I letting Christ's love be shown through me? Yeah. Is that my primary objective rather than I want to get this person on side with my idea or with my um, opinion about the church or whatever it might be. Those are not, imp- I'm not saying those aren't important things, but they all flow from that seeking of Christ and seeking, seeking to have his heart. Um, we need to do this more folks like other, because when people see us fighting and I'm not saying, like I say this knowing that even myself, I can get combative at times. No, I know. Uh, (laughs) What good does that do in witnessing to the world? Mm -hmm. And my guess is none. Yeah, it, it, I think that a lot depends on how you're combating with someone. You yeah. know, it's it's one thing for two people who respect each other to talk about something passionately. 
uh, and respectfully and lovingly. I think that's mm-hmm. a good witness. But a lot of times it's when we turn the person we're just discussing ideas with into an enemy. That's that's definitely no good. Uh, but I think a lot of us really have this selfish idea of Christian community. Like our idea of Christian community is I will surround myself with cool people who I like, who love Jesus, and that will make living the Christian life easier. Yeah. Now, there is a certain sense where you need to have, you know, like-minded friends who are easy to be around and to help you grow in the spiritual life in that way. And that's that's definitely a true thing, definitely a necessary thing. But that's not the totality of Christian community. Mm-hmm. That's not the totality of what it means to be, you know, one body and one family in Christ. We need to become more selfless in our idea of Christian community. And also to realize that we are the thorn in someone else's side. No matter how like cool we think we are or how clever or how smart or how good-natured or whatever, yeah. um, there's a good chance we just take other people off and to, to acknowledge that aspect of our lives as well, uh, to have the humility to do that. And I think, um, yeah, I, I think I just think, man, imagine if we actually all took this seriously and started to, and I would maybe just say, maybe try and think of one person online in the home in your parish, in your work environment, whatever, where's one person who you really struggle with and make them the firm um, focus of your prayer. Yeah. And ask the Lord, because this is the other thing, right? The reason we we lose hope with this and the reason we want to push away is because deep down where we're depending on our own resources. And we're not saying to God, I need you to do this with me because I cannot do this on my own. Yeah. And that is the place God always answers prayers. And he will answer that prayer because he wants that. You know, prayer is the uh, uniting of my will with God's will. And God's will is for the salvation of all souls. And the way souls are saved is by literally embodying Christ's love for another. So he wants that. He actually does want that. Mm-hmm. So he will do it for you. Yeah, that is his will. <laughs> yeah, he exactly. will do it. God <laughs> listens to prayer, folks. So do that. Make like I already know who I'm going to start praying for each and every day, uh, and I'm gonna just and I and then to almost outdo it with generosity. Hey, how are you doing? How's your day been? Oh, that's I'm sorry, whatever. Uh, like I just think of Saint Teresa Lisieux, or as you would say, Lisieux, uh, Lisieux. Saint Teresa of Lisieux. Lisieux. I'm sorry. She uh, <laughs> when she was in the convent, there was an older nun who was pretty crotchety and was always mean to her and was always criticizing and was always picking at her and everything. And she, um, she, when St. Therese died, this nun was very sad. She said, this is the only sister in the community who loved me. Wow. So St. Therese like, went overboard almost with generosity and cheerfulness and joyfulness towards the sister and never allowed the words or the criticisms to impact her love because she knew that this person was her was a way for her to be purified and crucified love. Because this is, I think at the heart of it, this is it. And it's sometimes seen clearly more and more every day. We hate the cross. And we want redemption without the cross. And mm-hmm. we want to we want to love people without the cross. Mm. It's not possible. <laughs> it's yeah. not possible. We need the cross and we need to go through the cross, which means, yeah, you're go- because deep down, the reason we don't want the cross is because we want 
things our way. We, we hold on to our selfishness all the more, all yep. the time. And I'm like, I want it for me, 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 me. And it's got to stop because it doesn't bring salvation, doesn't bring life. We got to love through the cross. Yeah. So I just want to emphasize a few things that you said and then uh, yeah. make a couple caveats too. Yeah. So something you talked about, um, like kind of realizing you're not holy. Yeah. Uh, or coming to that point, every time we realize that we're not holy, every time we realize that there's a virtue we're lacking, we should rejoice in that. Because if Christ has never shown you your faults, is if Christ has never corrected you, that means one, you've never prayed. Mm-hmm. Because God always firmly, but also with love, corrects us. Mm-hmm. And two, once you realize you're not holy, once you realize that like, you don't have this virtue, that's the place from which God can work with you. So it's like, great. That's awesome. Like finding out the most annoying thing about going to the doctor is when you go and you take all these tests and you still don't know what's wrong with you. Because that means the doctor doesn't know what to give you. So finding out that you're not holy in this aspect because of this reason, that's a great thing. So rejoice even in your sadness once you realize you're not holy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Also, I think there needs to be um, a couple caveats as far as a few things. Um, if you are like in an abusive relationship or someone has like like physically harmed you or psychologically abused you, we are not saying any way you have to interact with this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's important for you absolutely. to step away from right. those and to make yourself safe. Well, That's absolutely. not your job. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. 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 I just want to make that clear because a lot of times, sometimes um, uh, we don't say that as Christians. Like there's a difference. There's, there is important to be safe and separated and go through your own healing first okay right. so to clarify that um and also like there's limitations online as well and i'm saying this mostly because i've recently blocked over five thousand people online <laughs> yeah because i've realized more and more that there are certain limitations about authentic human communication online and it would be wrong to indulge people's appetite for conflict Right. 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 So, but that being said, it's still incredibly important to keep those people in prayer and to pray for their conversion. Um, There's one, I mean, there's one person specifically who I got in this huge, like, Twitter fight with and who thought I was the worst priest ever. And I constantly brought this person to prayer before the tabernacle. uh, And we've reconciled and now we're, (laughs) now we're friends on Twitter. So these things do happen, but sometimes it's okay to step away and then still pray for that person. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, amen. I think, and I think like there's a reason, like even Paul says, you know, there's a certain point in like the Corinthian community where he says, you know, he hands people over to Satan. (laughs) Essentially. Yeah. But, but for their good, right? Like like it's for, it's not a, um, it's not a, um, it's, it's like, it's why we have excommunication, right? It's, it's, it's not a punitive thing. It's more of a medicinal thing to draw them back that they might be purified to be drawn back. So there is a point where relationships do get cut off. Mm-hmm. But I would say most relationships, I would say like your, you know, your average relationships at work and family and stuff like that aren't at that level, right? right. We're not talking Absolutely. about those most serious things. Obviously. But mm-hmm. those average people that you deal with every day, those are ones where they're not going to be cut off from you and you need to actually go and chase them down almost with Christ and, and like shower them with Christ's absolute love. Yeah. Which, uh, and that means stop thinking about yourself. Because that's, I think, the other thing. We get anxious about these things. But what am I going to say? I'm like, it's not about you, so stop worrying about it. And just, like, say, God, I need you to do this in me. Mm-hmm. So, 
So I'll be praying for Father Anthony every week so that I can love him more. Ha, ha, ha. Good. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> I kid. I kid. He's not. He is not. That. <laughs> cool. Anything else yeah. you want to say about that? Is that we're good? I think that's good. It's okay to have a shorter podcast once in a while. Yeah. All right. By like four minutes. <laughs> four minutes. Hey, hey, we still did. All right. So thank you for listening. Uh, please leave a review on iTunes or Google Play or anywhere else you li- listen to it. And tell your friends about the podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says we must love our enemies. Mm. Yeah. Important. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me at Fr Harrison. You can find me at Father Sharapa. And yes, we haven't forgotten about stickers. We're just yeah. We just what's going on here? I just, oh, sorry. You guys are great, and you deserve stickers, and I have them. We just need to send them to you. Thank you for your patience. I was at a wedding on Saturday, and I was handing out stickers to lots of people who listen to the podcast. That's not fair. I've handed out stickers to people. We've got to mail our supporters stickers. And you guys got to do it because you're in the States. I can't do it. No, we definitely have to do it. It's definitely Nick, uh, Bruce, Nick, and myself. It's our fault. But uh, we still love you. Thank you for your support. Your reward will be great in heaven, and it will be in stickers soon yes you can contact the podcast and receive updates at clerical pod on twitter you can find us on facebook at clerically speaking or email us at clerically speaking at gmail.com god bless peace